Scripture reading comes this morning from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23, verses 39 through 43. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said. Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. If I could invite you to be seated, please. It's good to be here with you all this morning. Um, Sorry, last week the weather didn't cooperate with us having church. I know the schools love it when it snows on weekends because they don't have to cancel, but this preacher hates it when it snows on weekends because it means sometimes we have to cancel. Uh, It's good to be here with you all today. Uh, First, just if uh, you're not on Facebook or you don't follow the church on Facebook and you'd like to go back, last week's sermon, which was the end of our sermon series on the Gospel of Luke chapter 8, uh, verses 1 through 15, was the parable of the sower. Uh, That sermon's available If you'd like to go back and watch the video, I recorded it last Sunday and we put it online. Also, the audio, if you'd prefer the audio, is available on our church uh, website or it's also available. We have a a stream on iTunes podcasts if you'd like to find it that way. Uh, For both, it's First Methodist Church, Clovis, New Mexico. So it's easy to find, I think. But you know, I say that and then someone will go look and you won't be able to find it and something will be wrong. But... uh, that's just how it works. So it's good to be here with you all today. This is the first Sunday of Lent. And this season of Lent, uh, we are seeing how the cross of Jesus guides us to experience the goodness and the greatness of God. And so, as many of you know, Lent begins on Ash Wednesday. So on Wednesday night, we gathered here together and we began our sermon series by looking at how the cross of Jesus guides us to the forgiveness of God. Because it's on the cross of Jesus that you and I are able to read the scriptures like we did today and part of the scripture today where Jesus not only hangs on the cross but he looks at those who have just put him upon the cross and he offers them words that they have never heard before which are words of forgiveness. As the soldiers who had just placed him on the cross and have just stood up Uh, the cross on the ground so he is now hanging and they are casting lots for his clothes and everything else that is happening down below Jesus looks to them and he says father forgive them for they know not what they do and so the first thing for us to take this season of Lent as we are being led uh, to the cross of Jesus is I think for us to remember that the cross of Jesus takes us to a place of forgiveness And so today we are going to be taking that a step further and we're going to be seeing how the cross of Jesus leads us or guides us to hope. What do you hope for? I've often heard that our deepest hopes or our deepest desires are those things that our mind goes to when we're not focused on other things. So our mind goes to those things when we are just doing something else or working on something else or walking from A to B or whatever it is and we find our mind visiting this thing. So what do we hope for? Is it something to make us feel better? Is it something to maybe have a problem going away? Maybe we are looking for or hoping for things that make us happy. 
You know, if you think about it, there are many good and genuine things that we can hope for. But the thing that I think we need to set before us and search for and aspire to this Lent is to receive the hope that comes to us through the cross of Jesus. The hope that we receive from Jesus is a hope that is unmatched by anything and everything else that you can imagine. No matter what we buy or possess, no matter how we act, nothing else can achieve that same level of of hope. That you and I receive not in something that we can do, not in something that we can find, not in something that we can manufacture for ourselves. But our hope comes from the cross of Jesus because the cross guides us to hope. You know, I think there's irony in that statement. In us saying that the cross of Jesus is a sign of hope. And the irony in that statement is that the cross was not meant to offer hope. The Romans, in fact, wanted the cross whenever we saw it, or whenever people saw it, to be a sign of hopelessness. And so when people looked at the cross in Roman times, they wanted them to remind, be reminded of the power of Rome, of the, the scope of Rome, of, of everything about Rome. Because only the Romans, as we read in the Gospels, could issue the punishment that would end up with you being placed on the cross. That's the whole reason that the Sanhedrin, when Jesus appeared before them, wanted to get him sent to Pilate. Because they knew if his voice was going to be stilled, it was not a punishment that they could could dole out themselves. It was the Roman punishment. It was strictly for Rome. And so whenever people saw the cross, there was to be no hope when they walked by it because they knew what it stood for and they knew what it would lead to. Because they knew that those who were placed on the crosses would only come down after they had passed. But see, I think here's the thing that we celebrate in the season of Lent and in this time is that God had plans, other plans for the cross. He took this symbol of hopelessness and he made it a place of hope. He takes this tree of death and and he changes it to where it leads us to life. God takes this symbol that is a reminder of the power of Rome and he makes it instead a reminder of him. So that whenever we look look at it, we think of Jesus. He took this piece of hopelessness and he makes it into a place of hope where whenever you look to it or whenever you turn to it, or whenever you go to it, we can find Christ. Because the cross is a sign of hope where there should be no hope at all. Because God used the cross to win us salvation. If you think about it, it's at the cross that God allows us to see the full scope and the full measure of His love for us. It's at the cross where where we are able to see the plan and the path that God has for you and me and our relationship with Him rather than it being a reminder of pain and of death and of everything else, of hopelessness. The cross is a symbol of hope that points our eyes upward toward God because of the cross we have hope. I mean, look at the disciples. It took Jesus dying being placed in the tomb, and then being resurrected. For them to fully recognize the hope that the cross offered to them. 
If you think about their life and their shared ministry and their time with Jesus, how much did they see? How much did they hear? How much did they witness? How much did they experience? Yet when it came to the cross, they still didn't fully understand that it was something that guided them to hope. And so like us, they doubt. They question. They were afraid. The disciples could not see how how the cross offered them hope, even though Jesus had told them what? Time and time again of what was to happen. That the Son of Man would hang on a tree. On the third day, He would be rose again. Of All those things that Jesus said to them. They couldn't believe that it would really happen. So when everything unfolded on that Passover night, as Jesus was arrested and then appeared before Pilate, The disciples fled, they hid, and they were filled with hopelessness and despair. As they saw Jesus being led to and then later placed on the cross, and they didn't believe that Jesus would really die for their sins, and they were filled with hopelessness. See, the the disciples didn't get it. Even as Jesus was, was going through all of the things that he told them would happen to him, And in our scripture this reading this morning, we read the words of the two who hung on the crosses alongside Jesus. One of the criminals says to him, aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. The other has a message that's completely different. Uh, Tradition has given the criminals two names. They're traditional names, so if they're really their names, great. If they aren't, that's fine too. Tradition says that the criminal who hung to Jesus' left and chided him was named Gestas, G-E-S-T-A-S. And he did not believe that Jesus could really save himself or them. He did not expect to see the hope that could come from the cross. Of course, the soldiers also chided Jesus in the same way. They mocked him in the hours that they held him before placing him on the cross. They placed a purple robe on him. And said that he was a king of the Jews. They pressed a crown of thorns on his head. They hung a sign over his head that said, this is the king of the Jews. Even the crowd who who gathered to witness the trial of Jesus before Pilate. Who saw his walk to Golgotha. Who experienced and witnessed the crucifixion. Believed that the cross could guide them to hope. No one believed that the cross would do something different. And so when Jesus was presented to them, they shouted, they jeered, they yelled that he should be crucified. As he made the long walk, they did not cheer for him, but they yelled at him. And as he was placed on the the cross, Luke writes in Luke 23, the people stood watching, the rulers sneered at him, they said he saved others, let him save himself, he is the Christ, the chosen one. The only one who saw the cross as an opportunity for hope was the criminal who hung on the other side of Jesus. Tradition has given him the name Desmas, D-E-S-M-A-S. And so after the criminal on the left has mocked Jesus and said, if you're really the Christ, save yourself, Desmas rebukes him and he says, don't you fear God. Since you are under the same sentence, we are getting punished justly. We are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. This criminal recognized that Jesus was not guilty of any crime like he was. 
He knew that he deserved the cross that he was on and that Jesus did not. He knew that he could not save himself, but he also knew that Jesus could. And so he said to Jesus, the one thing that he knew he could get is, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Because even as he hung on the cross, he recognized that the cross was now a symbol of hope. It was now a place that you and I could come to and we could be guided to hope. We could receive hope. We could place our hope in God through his son Jesus. And what did he say? What did he hear? He heard Jesus say, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. All because of the cross. The salvation that this criminal saw in Jesus is now a reality. And here's the glory of it. It was a reality for him and and for us. It's a reality too. There's hope in the cross of Jesus. And it's a hope that never fades. And it leads us to the kingdom of God. And I think you and I have the benefit of of having the full story. We have the the benefit of being able to, to read further on. And not just read about the crucifixion and then the resurrection. But we are able to read the book of Acts. And then the letters to the church where we hear and see what's happening. We're able to see how God guides us to hope through the cross of Jesus. I mean, after Easter, two disciples are headed to their home in Emmaus. They know that Jesus has died on the cross. They're not real sure about the resurrection. They've heard from Peter and the disciples. They've heard from the women. They're not real sure because they haven't seen Jesus yet. And so they're walking and they're discussing what has happened over the past three days and they're trying to discern what that means for them and to figure out what their future is. And Luke writes to us that as they were walking, a man came alongside them and began walking with them. The stranger happened to ask them what had happened over the last three days. As they walk, the disciples begin to explain to him what has happened. And they say he was a prophet. Powerful in word and deed before God and all the people, the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he would be the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels and that he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Did you hear what they said? They said, we had hoped that he was the one that was going to redeem Israel. Before the crucifixion, the disciples had hope in Jesus. After the crucifixion, they had lost their hope. They did not find or see or recognize or realize the potential for hope that the cross would lead them to until they discovered about the resurrection. That is, until they heard what Jesus said to them there on the road to Emmaus. Because it was on the road that the disciples had their hope in Jesus restored as he walked with them, as he explained to them what they had experienced and witnessed. It was only when they reached the home in Emmaus and they sat down and they invited Jesus to spend the night and so they sat to eat the meal and he lifted the bread and he broke it and their eyes were open. And then they discovered that in the cross, God offers us hope. And see, the disciples did something that that I think all of us have to do, is they didn't sit on this information that they'd been given. 
Luke writes that they immediately got up and they ran back to Jerusalem. That's like four or five miles to tell all the other disciples what had just happened to them. They ran to share the hope of Christ with others. This is what hope does for us too. Is we can't keep it in. We have to share it. We have to to offer it to others. We have to, to give it to others so that they can experience it too. In 1 Peter chapter, or 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. The author of this letter to Peter writes, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Always be prepared to provide the reason for the hope that you have. Other translations say, Always be prepared to provide a defense of the hope that you have, but I really like the way the NIV translates it. Because what is Peter saying to us? He's saying to us that we have to be ready to explain what Jesus has done, to share how Jesus has changed our lives, and to offer the reason for the hope that we have. And here's the awesome thing is I know that each of us have different reasons for the hope that we have. Maybe it was a retreat, maybe it was worship service, maybe it was study, maybe it was music, maybe it was prayer, service, recovery, healing, whatever it might be. Deliverance. What Peter tells us is that whatever it is, the reason that we have that hope, we have to be ready to offer it to other people so that that experience can be something that allows others' eyes to be drawn to the cross and then from the cross their eyes be directed to God. Because the only person and the only thing that you and I can place our ultimate and only hope in is Jesus Christ. That's all we can do. He's the only one that we can do it, but we have to be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. Part of that reason, I think, is because then it means that we've spent time thinking about it. We've discerned the reason for ourselves of the hope that we have. We've spent time in prayer knowing the hope that we have. We have done the work that we need to do to place ourselves at the foot of the cross so that we can receive in an even fuller and greater measure the hope that God offers us through His Son, Jesus. Friends, it's my prayer that as we are guided to the cross this Lent that we will find an even greater experience of hope that we have in Christ. I pray that you and I can be like the disciples where we are able to look at an instrument of torture and of death and that through our walking with Jesus, our view of it will change. And we will be reminded or we will see anew that the cross is an instrument of life and it's a place where I and you could receive hope. Hope from God, hope through Jesus, and hope in the knowledge and the assurance that we receive life in Him. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. That reason is the cross. That reason is Jesus. Amen.